0: Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has. It also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where Onto Air comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that Onto Air enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software, and that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing, and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your air table to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code Built on Air for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air Podcast. This is season 15, the last episode, episode 8. We'll be off for a few weeks after this, and then we'll be back in October for season 16. So good to have everybody joining us today. We've got uh, Camille Parks back as always. We've got Ali could not join us today. So we've got Ben Bailey coming back. Welcome, Ben. Good to have you. And uh, we'll get into an update on Ben. Ben's been on the show, uh, I believe, a few seasons ago. Um, but back with us, and he's got some exciting news to share with us. So I will walk us through what we're going to be talking about today. We do an hour-long show. We talk about everything Airtable, keep you up to date. We always start with our round the bases, and what's going on in the different communities, and then a quick shout out to Onto air our primary sponsor. Then we will do the question that everybody's been asking, what is up with the pricing changes? Camille's going to walk us through that and help everybody understand how it impacts us. And then Ben will get an update on what's new in Ben's life and his career. And then a quick shout out to our community, how you can join it. And then Ben's going to walk us through some new functionality that will be coming And a sneak peek into that, and it's related to two-way sync version 2.0. So welcome, everybody. Good to have you with our round the Bases. um, There's a few things. So like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the pricing changes, but that definitely is the big topic um, that everybody is talking about. So we won't dive too much into that because we're going to focus a segment on it, but it's definitely... Um, There's discussions pretty much everywhere about it. Um, There's a long thread on the Airtable community talking about it and all the changes. Um, I know in the Built on Air community, I think this might be, we had 150 replies to, to this comment on the pricing changes. I haven't kept track, but that might be one of the higher threads that we've had in the community. So definitely a lot going on, I know, in the Facebook community and likely in the uh, Airtable Forums community, everybody's talking about pricing. So we're going to go deep into it with Camille in, in a little bit. So hold on to that. The other thing that is kind of in conjunction with it which, that we can talk t- t- more about is some of the features um, that were also added in this. So um, yeah, I don't know. This You guys might be more familiar with this. So there is some enterprise uh, features, scalability, governance. Are you familiar with these changes? I am, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, walk through what they did there.
1: Uh, so in place beforehand, there were certain like, high-level um, administrative controls you could have if you were on the enterprise plan and... Some of the things that larger enterprises might've run into is you might've had multiple different, um, your, your your business was so large that it kind of made sense to have localized, you know, versions of Airtable that had different settings applied to them. Maybe the legal department is more locked down or has fewer permissions granted to them than the finance department, or I don't know. So one of the things that was um, added in this, Um, batch for enterprise scale, which is the new name for the enterprise plan, is things called um, there's organizational units, which are kind of like sub organizations within one enterprise instance. So you can simplify your billing instead of having multiple enterprise instances and contracts with Airtable. It's one contract where each pod or organization can have slightly different settings. So Um, there's a lot of nuance in there and how you would implement it really depends on your organization, but that's one of the major things that they added. Um, Airtable AI is a beta that's um, currently out and being tested. That's available for the pro slash team plan maybe also. So it's not just enterprise, but that's one of the things that's kind of lumped into the enterprise um, adjustments and, um, Enterprise key management, I believe, is another one that was added um, for the enterprise side of the, you know, recent batches of updates. And then for everybody, it was various improvements to the timeline um, Mm -hmm. view yet again. So they're constantly updating that view in particular. Um, And then, you know, yeah. So here's the thread that's about enterprise specifically and all of the additional things that they're getting so
2: yeah yeah i'll add one little detail the the new what i think they call it enterprise hub like slack calls it enterprise grid and airtable's calling enterprise hub Mm -hmm. um with the like different layers so you've got like your big master account and then like your org units but they've introduced this new role for super admin so if you're like an it and you just need to make sure that like your skim uh, Like your OAuth, not OAuth. Sorry, your uh, SSO configurations are like set. No one else can touch them. Like that's what that's for. But then you you are not an Airtable user yourself, right? You're probably administering you know dozens of different tools and making sure they all conform to your orgs, like your your company's larger security and finance concerns. And so that's like your role, and that's at that highest level. That's where those settings are set. But then within the org units, there are admins who are going to be like Airtable builders and users like us, who are actually like configuring. Like, do we want Our org to be able to like add these integrations. That's up to the discretion of like those admins. So I I like that sort of split between you've got like your central IT security and finance people who control like the stuff that we don't care about. And then there's the actual like users of the product who are administering their different slices of the account, you know, as they see uh, fit. Great.
0: Yeah, very good. And um, did you touch on the, the record updates or are you going to talk about that?
1: Okay, segment? so no. And I have the, the first of my, you know, I'll, this I'll call a complaint. Um, it is difficult now to find how many records you can have per table. Um, the old pricing page broke down how many records would be the max per base and the max per table. The new pricing page just says the max per base. So this is the first I'm hearing of the records per table being 250,000. So I will quickly add that to my chart and Mm -hmm. then it's a mystery what the other maxes are. But yes, uh, generally speaking, um, record limits have been increased for the enterprise and they have been adjusted in um, uh, the other plans, which we'll go over
0: later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big increase. I know that had been in beta for a while. Um, and hopefully they're working on even more. I was reading, um, I didn't have it here, but there was a, there was a thread in the Facebook community about, um, you know, how, how they're, uh, they're moving to the enterprise and they're kind of like moving upstream and, and kind of, um, not putting as much emphasis on the smb but yet the record limits are still not you know where an enterprise would want them to be like they need to get into the millions to really satisfy the needs of of enterprise customers and so it'll be interesting how they figure that out it it seems like a technical hurdle they gotta figure out
2: (laughs) and one thing i just checked because um that did not seem uh news to me of the record limits and i checked and there was an airtable blog post back in march where they list that as like a new thing of increasing those limits to those numbers um so maybe that was a beta and i just wasn't familiar with it
0: yeah
1: um, they yeah, they I,
0: announced it but they didn't roll it out <laughs>
1: uh, yeah I got it. in my comparison which i'll go through later i was checking against december 2022 is there sort of midpoint between the newer pro plan versus the older pro plan um, rather than getting through all of those minutia, going with what was current as of like a week ago. Um, and in 2022, December, the limits for enterprise were 250,000 per base, 100,000 per table. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So I know, I know they've had this, you've likely had access to this for a while, but um, yeah, I think this is the final rollout. So Um, actually, yeah, this is, there we go. Yeah. So this is actually the thread. I was kind of talking about Airtable's turning their back on non-enterprise users. Where should we move to? Um, This is a long discussion of 142 comments it's kind of interesting just thinking big picture about where Airtable is moving with these changes. Who's going to fill in the gap? Are, are we going to see a huge exodus of, of kind of smaller businesses leaving Airtable? And if we do, where, where are they going to go to? Thoughts on big picture changes from these decisions?
1: It really depends on what um, each individual like Airtable user or uh, business run on Airtable really needs. Um, some of the changes that have gotten the most, um, flack and I would agree is moving. Um, originally, um, your API calls was unlimited and now there's a, uh, number applied to it a maximum. And for a lot of people, they're not going to notice or care because they're not using the API in any way, shape, or form. If you don't have anything that's hooked into make or Zapier, you don't have a softer account or a a website built off of stacker or any of those portal type things, you're not even going to notice. But if you are on the opposite end where you have like a storefront that is powered by Airtable, which requires several different API calls in order to get that to work. You may or may not notice that. Um, I haven't really done some testing. I have some suspicions that um, businesses of a certain volume, which isn't going to be a small portion, I think a considerable amount of businesses run off of Airtable are going to see that API limit. I don't know if I would be able to test that, uh, but, that is my feeling so to to me, it's more like what are you using Airtable for um, and of the features that have been limited or you know shuffled around a bit, were you using them? would you eventually have need for them? and then what are the other platforms offering? because every platform is probably really good at something if you if you've heard the name of it, someone must like it for some reason so. Names that I've uh, heard going around are no Code DB, which is um, on the screen here. API Table, C Table, SEA Table um, are sort of the three that are most like, and SmartSuite, the four that are most like Airtable that are being brought up in these conversations. And then there's other things that are not Airtable, but do similar things like Coda, I wouldn't say is anything really like Airtable, but it has a database in it that you could, you know, adjust your workflow to use. So there's that.
0: Anything bad, Ben, on your perspective?
2: I'll say I've just been waiting to see how Microsoft and Google. With their soft Airtable competitors or like relational database tools sort of evolve, and they just have had no traction because that's really attractive to small and medium businesses. Like, I don't want a hundred tools. I pay for our Office 365 or Google. What do they call it now? Suite, I guess. Workspace, or something. Workspace. Um, Suite. Uh, pay for that per user, and it's just really easy to keep track of. But like uh, Microsoft's tools called Lists, I think, and nice. Google's is tables. <laughs> yeah tables thank you but like they haven't gone anywhere and yeah. so like if if they uh, you know reach some level of feature pa- parity even with like non interface air table then I think we that would be like the solution for a lot of small and medium business teams um, but I just haven't seen them actually move that way now that said like Microsoft is throwing a lot of weight behind the loop maybe that is like a bridge to like a better, more Airtable-like experience, but I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Microsoft competitor, I, don't, I haven't checked it in a year plus, but it was nowhere near ready for usage.
1: My, it was awful. That was my assessment of a lot of like, for, for whatever reason, all of the companies I would expect to lo- like a product from Microsoft's alternative, Google's alternative, JotForm's alternative, Zapier's alternative, all of those were just not, they weren't even close. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Whereas yeah, a Zapier, lot of, here
1: yeah. goes so Go ahead. I
2: was going to say, Zapier tables is like that thing you're like, oh, this would have a lot of promise if this were several years ago. I, I just don't know how they closed right. that
1: gap. Yeah. So they, they kind of started with like real bare bones that does it with what Airtable could do at the time, it felt like, why would I ever move to that system? Whereas some other ones that are like purpose built, they don't have a, a thousand products in their um, catalog. They only have built NoCodeDB or they've only built API Table um, or Smart Suite. Those are the ones that feel the most, they have the most feature parity. They seem more stable. They're not in a you know, in the workshop or in dev or in open beta, they're released and people are using them with accessible APIs and all of those. Those feel like the more likely transition points, at least at this time, if you're looking to move out of Airtable into something else, it's probably gonna be in that realm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um I mean smart suite is definitely you know, nipping at their, at their tail as far as trying to be feature comparable and, and in some ways better. Um, so they, they seem to be taking a lot of the SMB space or at least making a dent there. On the enterprise, I would probably say, I think Google Tables is probably the most promising if you're already in the Google world, um, more so than, than the Microsoft product. We'll see if, if they actually make that part of the, the Google Work Suite um, line of products, which I think is the plan. But yeah, until then it won't it won't get a ton of adoption. <clears throat> All right, let me let me throw some comments out here. People are suggesting other ones. Base row. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jen says SMB or need will need to go to the business tier. Get more specific tools. Mentions butter CMS. Uh, more tools specific to yours instead of duct taping them. Job form is so buggy, and but it's not truly a database. So,
1: I think that's another good point. Airtable is like there are if you want just a database with you know a, a bajillion records that you can put in Firebase or SQL, or, you know, those are like established platforms that many, 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 many large businesses run off of because they just need a database. If you need a database with a nice graphic interface for you to add records and do all of that kind of stuff, but not necessarily a website or a front end, then things like API table um, and base row are they have similar looks and feels to them as Airtable. So you're not going to have as hard of a time moving over. Same thing with SmartSuite. It's going to look fairly similar and there's going to be a lot of feature parity there. If you need a database, a nice graphic interface for entering data and also some kind of front end, that's when you're going to run into a little bit more trouble having some a solution that's all in one because Airtable has started with interface designer, which is still pretty basic as compared to something like, I don't know, Softer or Glide where you can have a much more flexible design experience. But these are the things that you're gonna wanna think of, like what are all the pieces that I need and which of these platforms is gonna be the best fit for all or most of those before you move over. Because you know Airtable is fairly specialized in what it does and its competitors are going to be better at some, but not necessarily better at all. So, you may need a couple of tools together, but you also might save money that way. It really depends on which ones you pick, because some of the options that we've mentioned are open source, so they don't cost anything.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's a great discussion for another time, not today. But like, how for people who know a lot more about like open source communities. Over what time scale could we expect like a true one to one feature parity like with some lag Airtable open source project to like develop because i think that'd be super powerful like yeah throw up like a, a small like node network in your house and you self host your own little Airtable alternative like that'd be incredible for so I many think, different projects
1: I think if you ignore interface designer i think that probably exists
2: and
0: automations
1: well some of them have have automations in there i haven't t- i want to test api table because it was recommended in our built on air slack community and i was looking at it and it seems like it seems like it's pretty dang close in terms of what you can do in airtable and what you could do there base row i know also comes um, recommended i haven't been able to test it. i don't know if they have automations but they have similar view types. They have, you know, similar sort of processes that you go to to add new records and all of that. So I think in terms of, like, when can we expect an open source alternative to Airtable that's, you know, pretty dang close without getting into, like, intellectual property problems? (laughs) I think we're we're close if we're not already there. So, you know, maybe by next season, I'll have had time to do some comparisons some more in-depth comparisons
0: yeah my only fear is like as airtable moves into the enterprise um which is great i mean it's great for for me for the business that i run um and we have two experts here on our show with us that work for some of the largest enterprise customers of airtable but most of the fun stuff that we can actually share on the show and the community people that are sharing stuff usually are kind of the creators, SMBs. And so that's the part I, I, I hope we don't lose because there's a lot of community of, of you know freelance or, or small business users and, and creators that use Airtable that if we lose that, we'll lose that dynamic community aspect.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I like working for Apple. I've, I've done a lot of uh, projects that are really challenging and really fun to sort of ship off and complete, but going to things like the Daretable conference earlier this year and hearing how other people are just building, you know, regular businesses off of Airtable and the stuff that they're able to, do without being developers themselves i am technically speaking a developer now but like all of the people who just sort of i run a real estate business i need a tool and setting it up themselves that's really powerful and you know it i would it would be such a shame if that kind of vibe that airtable gives people sort of falls by the wayside in favor of you know more like enterprise focus, which feels hypocritical for me to say as I sit in an, in an apple. In your office. ivory tower. Yeah, <laughs> look at all this white.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jen says there's room for everyone. It's just a perspective shift for SMBs. If it adds values, it's worth
1: the subscription hike. I would agree. I mean, there's a there's the whole point of if you're running your business off of any of these tools. It's going to be a business expense, right? You know, a perfect solution is not going to come for cheap. Even the um, open source alternatives, it's going to take some man hours to just set it up and make sure it's hooked in correctly. And you got to, there's, there's going to be more stuff on the front end of that to make sure it all runs correctly. But if you're just starting out, you know, if you have, if you need to do that prototyping of your system, Airtable is really great for rapid prototyping. And if the shifting of features around in this pricing change makes that cost prohibitive. That would be sort of a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll end with, you mentioned Airtable, our friend, uh, Chris Dancy. um, He put, I can't, I didn't link to it. I can't remember if it was in their community on Facebook or it might've been on Reddit. Um, Kind of an open letter to Airtable kind of speaking on that, that, that hopefully they don't lose sight of, of those people that helped create it and, and also supporting there's, there's uh, on several communities, people continue to say that they are not getting a response and they're an enterprise customer and um, why not. So there's an open letter out there from Chris that, that is worth a read. Uh, we'll see if anybody at Airtable picks up on that. Um, and a couple comments, comments, Jen, I have a, Clients of any size who are just blown away how easy it is to get stuff stood up. Amir, welcome, Amir. I think there needs to be a balance between falling in love with the product and being careful of getting locked into a product. Very valid. Yes.
1: You should always be in any system that you build, there should be an escape hatch um, just in case. Because if you're. Especially
2: if your business is built off of it.
1: Right. Yeah. If their servers catch on fire, you need to be able to have an export. Yeah. of all of your stuff, yeah. just in case. So, you know, it's important to back up your data. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure Dan might have a plug about That's that. That's right. Speaking of which, Onto Air.
0: Onto Air is our primary sponsor and is now focused on backups for that specific use case. Best practice is to have your data backed up on more than one place. And for today's show, I'm going to highlight uh, one of our Articles that we have, the essential guide to backups for your Airtable base, this guide walks us through, definitely worth um, bookmarking, Keep keep it in case you need it, hopefully you never need it, but if you do, here is the ultimate guide on how you might go about backing up your data, different ways that you can do it. Um, obviously, our recommended way is to use onto Air, but that's not the only way you can do it. So, if you are exploring Airtable, if you're using it, like was mentioned, core to your business, you got to make sure that you're backing up your data outside of Airtable. Airtable obviously backs it up themselves, but best practice is to have that data stored outside of Airtable for. For uh worst case scenarios. So check out onto air, onto air.com, and use our backups for your airtable data. Okay, moving on. The question that everybody has been asking: what is up with the pricing changes? What does it mean for us? Camille has your answers. There you go.
1: All right. So we are currently looking at um, the inner or the uh, Airtable pricing page as of today, which of course is going to list out all of the features. And I say all of the features, that's actually not true. For certain features, you have to really dig for a particular answer. That's kind of always been the case um, with Airtable's pricing. There are specific limits that aren't really called out here, uh, maybe because they're too, you know, minute to put on um, uh, the pricing page. If you have no idea what Airtable is, you're not going to know what that limit is. But, you know, you can get all of the specific information about what is available per pricing just now by going to Airtable.com slash pricing. However, if you want a comparison of what these plans used to be, I've made an Airtable base, of course, that um, does its best to compare like to like. So I have um, all of the features as they were in 2022. Again, for me, I did a snapshot of December, I think 30th or so, 2022, and then what they are all today as of August 29th, 2023. So when I say like to like, um, some of it was easy, free plan and free plan. Some of it was somewhat easy pro plan to team plan, but then there's uh, the removal of the plus plan and the addition of the business plan. And so basically um, what used to be pro and is now team, you're going to be shuttled either into that or out of that depending on what side of the spectrum you're on in terms of how many records you need or how many automation runs, et cetera. So walking through each comparison um, at a high level, um, a lot of features are the same, but some of them are different and some of those are pretty critical differences. So comparing free 2022 to free 2023, um, first things first, you're losing 200 records per base. Um, that's not a whole lot of records, but it is a whole lot of records proportionally to how many you used to be able to have in the first place. So uh, 1,200 was a weird number to me. Uh, 1,000 makes more sense, however, it's fewer records. So that's a negative. Just uh, as a note, if it's a change that I personally feel is a negative, it's gonna be uh, color-coded red. If it's a change that is going to be a positive for most people, it's going to be color coded green. Um, I don't know how many records per table it is. I suspect also a thousand, but I can't. I didn't see that number anywhere, so um, I can't verify that is true. Um, free plan works a little bit differently from the other plans in that there's a specific number of editors you can have in the workspace and the specific number of commenters. Um, the editors is the same number, five commenters went from unlimited to 50 so theres is one of the fir- uh, first examples of some feature going from unlimited to a hard number that you know you can't go above um, attachment space is cut in half from two gigabytes to one gigabyte um, and then a lot of the rest of the features are the same until you get to extension so the history of extensions with the free plan is uh, a nice storied adventure. Originally, um,
0: someday you, Bill will write a book on it.
1: Yeah, I, Well, so, I mean, long story short, uh, back when the scripting extension was made um, available, it was available for everybody, and then there was a pricing plan change that locked extensions down to the pro plan. And there was a whole back and forth about whether or not that would include the scripting extension. And as of December, 2022, um, you could have the scripting extension and one of any other type of extension within your base, if you were on the pre-plan as of today, you can't have either, which means, you know, my longstanding bet about the subject with bill Unfortunately, it means that my bet was accurate, although I was, you know, three decisions early, I guess. Um, I don't know. Airtable has bought me the second sandwich. So, you know, I've, I've been made good on that particular bet. This saddens me, though. I'm, I, I think this is deeply unfortunate. Scripting is um, a do-it-yourself um, solution you know um i want to be able to make my base good and even though i'm on the free plan and i'm already pretty limited with the number of records again for the purposes of rapid prototyping i think it's pretty important for all plan levels to have the scripting extension yeah Um, it's also
2: weird because the scripting extension runs on your local machine so like there's no added cost for two. there sure
1: isn't (laughs) there sure isn't um I don't well, know why. there is
0: if you're performing updates.
1: Oh, well, fair yes. Enough. but at the same time. I, I don't like this change. I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, so automation integrations have also been cut. You used to be able to have them and now you doesn't seem that you can. You also can't sync anymore. You used to be able to have at least one synced, um, or at most one synced table. You can no longer have any synced tables, it seems. Um, And then the last one, API API calls going from unlimited to 1,000 per month. Um, I believe that is still at the workspace level, so not per base. Um, That's fairly significant. I have no idea if the average person on the free plan will hit this number. I I don't suspect just because you're already so limited in the number of records, I don't imagine there's many API calls you would make, although I don't know if that's true and it might not be true for your um, use case. So just keep that in mind that you now have a limit for your API calls. Those are the high-level changes for the free plans. The next one is going from plus to T.
0: Yeah, don't, maybe, maybe don't spend too much time on this one. I don't know how many yeah. Plus users there are here. but
1: I'm not going to spend much time on it. I will say that if you were on the Plus plan, that plan is being eliminated. You will be moved to the Team plan and you will be paying the same amount you used to pay. So you basically get all of Team for half the price. So basically everything is a positive for you. Um, now from Pro to Team, um, these are the most like plants together, most of the changes are going to be negative. So um, originally you used to be able to have unlimited extensions and then it was limited to 10 per base. Um, and now you're no longer, um, you you no longer have that arbitrary limit. So it got better. And that's, that's a positive. I mislabeled that. Um, but things like automation runs have been cut in half uh, from 50,000 to 25,000. Um, It is unclear if you are able to have certain um, automation integrations like JIRA. Um, I wasn't able to tell that from the comparison of the different pricing pages. It might be hidden in support articles. Um, Multi-source syncing um, is not available, and neither are premium sync integrations. This is kind of why I feel like you might not have the premium automation integrations either, because it would be, you know, going essentially to the same place, either Jira Cloud or Jira, um, the Jira server, I think it's called. Um, a lot of these are the same. API calls, again, are limited from unlimited to 100,000 per month. Um, yet, again, it really depends on what your use case is, whether or not this is going to be something that you notice. Um, I am thinking if you run like an e-commerce store of some sort off of Airtable, you're probably gonna see this. If you have a less intense um, sort of front end built on uh, Airtable, you might not, um, This, I think this is the change that would be most worrisome, I think. Um, and then something that I also noticed, email support is not included under team plan anymore um, I thought that was odd you, you, you get less so support. what kind of support <laughs> yeah I, I, I just it used to be there and now it's not so it's um,
2: maybe that's just a typo like email support is the only kind of support they offer anyway
1: yeah I, w- I would hope but it, it it didn't have the other ones had a check so hmm. um, just flagging that Now from pro to business, business is a net new plan. Um, Before it used to be one type of enterprise. Business is basically enterprise light. So um, for a lot of these positives, keep in mind that you will be paying more if you're going from what used to be pro into what is now business. Um, This is so to kind of compare the, you know, hard limits that that are given. So if a, a limit was introduced into the team plan that you're worried about, you might be better suited now for the business plan, which again costs more, but you will be um, less limited for things like the number of records per base and attachments and how long you could keep the uh, automation history and the revision history for, um, you know, like deleting records and things like that. Um, you would be able to get all the extensions, et cetera, all of the automation runs per month, et cetera. Basically, all of the, um, uh, hard limits, the numerical limits are increased from pro to business, um, as they probably should be. The business plan is where you're going to be able to do the more complicated sync integrations, um, like two-way sync, um. And also the business plan is where you would be able to use the sync API, whereas the uh, team's plan cannot. So it's another change I personally dislike. Um, I really like using the sync API, but you would now have to be on the business plan in order to use it. Um, And then because it's business uh, or enterprise light or um, I like to call it for business, you get some of the enterprise level controls. So the admin panel and user groups and um, SSO and things like that, um, that you could do at this level without getting to the full enterprise plan. Um, and then you're just, you know, you get to keep the unlimited API calls uh, per month. So if that was a concern for you. Um, business plan might be the plan to go for. You don't have access to the enterprise API. The enterprise API um, lets you do more, you know, nitty gritty stuff um, from a coding perspective, like um, moving people between groups, I think is like a specific example of things that are relegated to the enterprise API versus the more low level um, web API. And then lastly, enterprise 2022 to enterprise scale 2023. Most of this is um, net new features, things that didn't exist at all. And then um, they were added for enterprise scale. And then some of it are things that we talked about earlier, like the increased records per base. um, And then you get a little bit longer um, revision snapshot history. The rest of the changes are mostly things that didn't really exist, like the verified data sets. And, and a lot of it is gonna be under the um, admin controls that would be both enterprise hub and organizational units, which we talked about at the top of the show. And those are the kind of like the high level touch points of what has changed from plan to plan. Um, and then, you know, good, just going back to all of them together. uh, The pricing is effectively the same for, um, if you were on pro and going to team, it's going to be the same, you know, numerical value in terms of your price. Business is the new plan that didn't exist before. So that's, um, if you pay by year, it's 540 a year. If you pay by month, it's $54 per seat per month. Um, And I think that's the only real, Difference in pricing because it's a new plan. Enterprise, I cannot tell you if you're going to pay more or less because it's nebulous. They never really release um, with a lot of detail how much enterprise actually costs.
0: Yeah, this is awesome, Camille. You could sell this to Airtable. I would think.
1: <laughs> I just feel like this should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Can, you know, can
0: you can you share the space with the community.
1: Yeah, I could probably put it on the um, universe and just leave it there. I might. I didn't finish putting in all of the descriptions um, for what each of these features are because it's kind of annoying to get to. And um, the pricing table has changed. Like some items used to be on the pricing table and are no longer there, which means it's harder to find what this description of each of these features are. That's why I have the yeah. records per table for all of the old plans but not for any of the new plans except the one we discovered a second ago for enterprise. So not completely filled in, but filled in to the best of my ability.
0: Yeah, no, this is awesome. It'll be interesting to keep this update over the years and see how their pricing changes.
1: Yeah. In 2024, (laughs) if they make more adjustments, you know, hopefully that's just increasing the record limit and not, you know, shuffling who gets to use extensions and, you know whether or not you can write your own syncing integration when's platform.
2: the last time airtable had a pricing and plan change like a significant one
1: top of 2023 i think really is that recent i just don't remember well no, no not 2023 i'm sorry 2022 i think yeah
0: maybe uh
1: i believe it was like february or so 2022 um That was the change that, you know, you could only have 10 extensions per base if you were on the pro plan, which is probably the the most baffling um, pricing change that I think I've seen. The other ones are like, I get it. I don't like them, but I understand why uh, from like a business perspective and, you know, trying to make profits and whatnot. That change I, to this day, have openly described as like just... (laughs) ridiculous
0: um <laughs>
2: Looks like Dan is on having some technical difficulties.
1: Whoops. Well. Oh, well
2: Yeah, so I I'd be very interested to see because there's a there's a very significant consumer mindset gap between a free plan and then the next step up is twenty dollars per user. Mm-hmm. That's a very large gap. So I I would wager that Airtable will probably at some point I'm no insider information is purely speculation just knowing what other even business tools having like a get your foot in the door as like an independent creator or an independent like business person um i I would suspect at some point they're gonna have to have like an entry level around ten dollar a month something with like hard limits on it sure like only up to five users or something um but twenty dollars a month is a pretty big leap
1: they did have that with the plus plan but they basically were like, nobody was, nobody ever used it. So that's why they just flat out removed it as a plan. So and it, may, it could be that the combination of features that were available in Plus just weren't enticing enough to people um, and that maybe you could get, well, and before when there weren't any um, API limitations, you could have collaboration through Um, third parties and not have to pay an Airtable license fee for every individual who needed to touch the data in some way. And now you kind of have to do a balancing act of how many people are going to be editing directly within Airtable. That's a a seat that I have to pay a license fee for. And how many people need to edit externally through a portal or a website or a, or a e-commerce store or something like that, that's going to rely on API integration. And now you have a limit if you're on the team plan. You don't have a limit if you're on business, but business costs more. And so you really do have to look at the specifics of each of these plans and really ask yourself, am I going to use this feature? Do I need an admin hub? You might not, or you might actually need it. I mean, one of the biggest, like, baffling things with Airtable is that many people were trying to get on the enterprise plan and got like radio silence. Business plan, you're supposed to be able to sign up for the same way you would with teams with no interaction with the sales team. So, you know, that eliminates whatever hurdle there was before. But again, it does cost more money. So really checking each of these plans and which one is the best suited for what your team or what your business actually needs.
0: Can you guys hear me now? Sure can. All right. uh, I kicked something under the table and I think I lost my audio and (laughs) everything. So, all right. Thank you, Camille, for for walking us through those changes. Uh, We're going to move on. And... Ben, if you want to, I want to make sure we give enough time for for your exciting news that you're going to share with us. So maybe just a brief update on what's new in your life, your new role at uh, Adobe.
2: Sure. So last time I was on, like a, Dan, you said it was like February of last year or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think we had just, you know, uh, gone through like our. My dates are crazy. We had only recently uh, started to be acquired by Adobe. Um, maybe it was like the year prior. Um, uh, but that this past summer, summer of 22, I uh, uh, had just come back from paternity leave and we have a team that does research. And I was an editor for 10 years. Frame.io, if you don't know, is a tool that lets uh, video creation teams collaborate from anywhere in the world. Uh, we were acquired by Adobe. Adobe obviously has a lot of tools that work with creative workflows. Uh, but we have a team... Uh, that does research on how our customers solve their problems, solve their problems in the real world with real tools and real productions and all these things. And I was like, hey, I was an editor for a long time. That sounds really inter- interesting. Uh, so they had a need to figure out how do we pipe all of this data around? That could be like insights from a customer interview to like a product manager's design, or it's like a design team's designs, product manager's strategic insight. Like, how do we pipe all that around? Well, I had a lot of experience having worked... Uh, with Airtable for like four years prior, five years now, um, and just said, hey, I think you could do it this way. And I joined the user insights team for my user insights. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's great to be able to meet with really smart, creative people all day long from the industry and learn from them and then build cool solutions with Airtable to help us all you know, kick really hard and make a dent in the universe. Because like tiny little product decisions impact, as we're all learning now, uh, can impact lots and lots of people. So we want to make sure that when we're making those changes or making improvements that it's making people's lives better. So that's that's my new role. Um, but a big part of that is using Airtable. And so Airtable is used across Adobe for lots of things. But at Frame.io, we use it for a whole list of things. What we are using it in User Insights for is like this research repository and all of the various components that go into that. So we're going to capture data, analyze it, organize it, and then pipe it back out uh, across various tendrils to different teams. Well, uh, like I said, I've been using Airtable for a long time, and, and one of the, the, the key compromises that we as builders have had to just sort of live with for a long time is, like, where your data lives dictates entirely what you can do with it. So in the old days, you know, uh, let's go say, like, pre-2020 or 21, whenever it was, um, data lived in a base. And the only way to really get out of it was to, like, use Zapier to, like, kind of move things around. But you couldn't really do a whole lot with that. And then at some point they like tested with the sync block, which I, va- I only vaguely remember how it worked, but basically it would like take a snapshot of the of a data in one base and like dump it somewhere else. And that like kind of helped in that you could have data live in multiple bases, but then make its way from one place to to the to another in kind of an automated way. And then they bring out uh, you know multi base sync, the idea that you can have a share view a share link from one table and create, with a little lightning bolt, a synced table in another base. Oh, that was amazing. Suddenly, you could reference data from one base, even though it lived somewhere else. So we're starting to narrow the like distance between data. But but there were still limits. Like You couldn't update that data. You couldn't edit it from a destination. You still needed to go back to the source. If you actually wanted to interact with the data in any way other than just like, I can read it right here, and I can make a linked relationship in the destination, even though it lives somewhere else, you had to go back to the source. And then they bring out two-way sync. And oh, amazing. Suddenly, you can have data live in different places, but it can sync right in front of you in this table, and you can even edit it. That's fantastic. But I'm sure you can guess there's like one extra piece that's missing, and it's the ability to be able to create and delete records from a source even though you're not there. You're in a destination. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. So two-way sync is—I've been beta testing it since last year. It's really exciting. It's very cool. But the like the the number one blocker I saw from day one was like we have to have the ability to like create this new data and interact with it uh, from a from a destination into the source. Um, so Airtable is working on this right now. I've been beta testing it for a long time. So they were they were comfortable. They gave me my, my, the blessing to talk about it today. I don't know timelines. Like I don't have a mock-up or anything, but I made my own. So hopefully we'll have time to show that off. Yeah. Um, but the, the 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 TLDR version of this is, I think that two-way sync with the ability to, and they don't have a catchy name for this yet, so we'll just call it like full two-way sync or two, uh, two-way sync 2.0. Um, I think the value proposition here is that it really will allow this like total interface, uh, Airtable interface, like user experience, where if you want to build something, the analogy I've been using is like Legos. If I want to build something in Legos, I don't think, well, I need to like learn how injection molding and plastics work and then like come up with a hyper mathematical system of like how all of the little nubbins fit together. No, I just want to build a pirate ship and I've got a box of Lego. Pieces and I'm like imagining this thing and I put it together. Well, in its current iteration, if you want to build something with data that your organization already has, let's say it lives in like two or three different bases, or you don't have a base at all, you've got to build that base first. You've got to figure out that mathematical system of how all the pieces fit together, and then you can build your pirate ship or your castle or your whatever. With two-way sync and the ability, like full two-way sync and create records from wherever, well, then like suddenly it doesn't matter where the data lives. And then you can have nerds like me, whose whole job is designing the Lego pieces, and then you want to make a new interface, and then you can just sync in data from wherever you want. And let's say you've got, like, a table somewhere for, like, accounts or, like, sales deals or tasks or projects or whatever you want. You don't have to worry so much about, like, how is this table built? I just want to reference it. I just want to reference it and bring it in. And if I need to add things to that list, I don't have to come up with some crazy Rube Goldberg machine to, like, automatically... Create new records in that source when I like tick a box. It's just going to interact with it like any other record that would be in the interface slash the base that you're working in. Uh, So I see this as opening the door to sort of like this this true uh, interface only user experience, and then frees up people like me to focus on the building the pieces. So you'll have like this stratification between like uh, people who are not building the pieces; they just want to build cool stuff. In, in Airtable, and then the people who can focus on we need to build really robust data hierarchies across our entire org, where like we can actually centralize our data and we can actually have that single source of truth. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's the the long and short of it. And Like real databases, I say real databases. Airtable is a real database. Sorry, older older applications that are not SAS programs, um, like have this ability to like reference data and create it and like master tables and stuff. Um, but I think it's a really important thing. Uh, for Airtable and, and, and seeing the, the pricing changes like this, this will mostly because two-way sync is, is limited to business plan and above, this will be something that mostly influences people who are using Airtable for, for like commerce. But if you're a consultant and you're building for like major enterprises now, I do think this is going to change the way that we build because that compromise, like I said, of like, where does the data live matters a whole lot less. So I am just going to share my screen real quick and sort of walk through a very easy example. Um,
0: yes. While you're doing that, I'm going to give a quick plug to join our community where amazing people are in there talking about stuff like this every day. So join us at builtonair.com join. And we're now talking about the two-way sync with Ben. And there you go, your screen's up. Yeah.
2: So an illustration of like, why does this really matter? So here we have a very simple base. I've seen a lot of orgs adopt like this exact thing, if not some like uh, equivalent. This is project management type base, but this could apply to anything. You start with Airtable and you build a base and you put all your stuff in it. That's great. Cool. You have fairly simple data hierarchy here. Loading. All right. And we've just got, oops, we've got projects. And we've got tasks and we've got deliverables, things we want to produce. Cool. Awesome. Fairly simple hierarchy. Makes a lot of sense. You can do anything you need with just this uh, right here. But as people start to work and actually use the system, they realize like, oh, like this is a little more complicated than like our work. It's a little more complicated than this simple representation. Because like while we are tracking all of our deliverables in one place webinars are super different from emails which are super different from presentations social and blog and all that stuff right so unless we just want to have a ton of fields that are really only specific to certain flavors of record well we should really break this out into different tables cuz like these all map up to this higher entity of like deliverable but as units they are different themselves so like so, oops, sort of the next generation that i have seen often is that people will break out the different like subunits into their own tables. So you got videos and hmm, maybe I should have loaded this beforehand. There we go. We got videos and stills and webinars and everything together. These are all deliverables, but they exist in their own tables, and that means you can customize them as much as you want and have a ton of different you know formulas and fields or or even scripts and automations that are only relevant to that to that specific table. Fantastic, but new problem. Now you have a data hierarchy that is a lot messier because you've got a bunch of different sub entities that are mapping to like the highest level entity here the project as individual things and there's no good way to sort of like have all of it represented as a deliverable well this is where two way sync comes in right you can have a base where you now have a single creative deliverables table but with through two-way sync, right? These all exist as their own tables, or sorry, as their own bases, and you're just syncing them. You're consolidating them, right, to this single sync table here. Fantastic, and you can even uh, edit them from your destination, even though they live in the source. That's great. What's the limiting factor? If I want to create a new whatever, I can't do it here. I have to go back. We have to either have like a complicated system where we have an automation that fires in one place and does something else and blah, 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 just to like generate this new thing. Or we have to just like limit our ability to do workflows and say like, well, just like if you want to do this action, you have to go somewhere else. Which is like dumb. But also it can just slow teams down. Or it can create these artificial barriers in ways of like, well, we we don't create like that type of record. That has to be that team. And that's I don't think a very good lesson in a lot of cases. It could be, like maybe you want to limit the ability to only create certain types of records to certain people, but that shouldn't be an inherent limitation. It should be something you implement yourself. So with two sync and the ability to like actually create records in a source from a destination, uh, I don't know what it looked like exactly, but I'm going to imagine like in an interface, just like we now have the ability to customize the ability for, per- mm, let me get a list view you real quick. Let's drop something on here. Um, so with the new list views, the consolidated views, you can say if you want like inline edit permission, inline creation permission, and like all of those things. So I'd, I'd imagine that you'll have like a button here for, you know, and I edit, uh, create. Like you'd be able to create, and even though it's coming from a new source, maybe apply like a record template or like the default options, like you can now with the form views. And that's going to be really powerful because like, in combination with like the buttons that we can now get at the top, you could be like, I want to create a new blog post in this example, or s- still request, or whatever. So that's going to populate a new record in that new base, even though you're staying in one place. Um, I could go on and on to talk about this in any detail. I, I do feel like we had to rush it just a little bit. But the, the basic premise here, the analogy that I think is helpful is that LEGO analogy. of You're going to be able to design pieces publish them like, to your workspace, and then people can use those to build whatever they want without having to understand the data in the same way and take a step down. An important uh, piece to this that I, I guess I did not bring up was that uh, with the updates to two-way sync, it's going to also mean that more field types are supported. One they've talked about specifically is that if you have a like a, a synced view somewhere, that linked record relationships will come over. You're not going to have to do that crazy thing now, or you have to be like, oh, it, it turns into just a simple text string, and then I sync over the second table, and then I change the field type. No, that'll just like come over all So you yeah. could do lookups without having to do all of the crazy like mumbo jumbo that you need to. Um, that's really important, and of course automation to yeah. so be able to address that as well. So this is why I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to fix like so many problems with a bunch of the builds that I currently have uh, that have like. Ridiculous amounts of complexity just to accomplish simple things, uh, but yeah, that's why I'm really excited. I don't have timelines to tell anyone because I certainly don't know. Airtable doesn't tell me those things. I just get to beta test it when it's ready. So yeah, that's, that's uh, what we can all look forward to, and can't wait for it of... to really allow us to build way cooler stuff.
0: A couple of questions I had. Um, so this this really works if you if you have multi-source. Uh, sinking into one table, right? That's kind of the use case where you talked about where you can actually create that original source in that in that destination table. Mm-hmm. And then, is this any different than the verified data component that's supposedly in beta still?
2: Yeah, so I, I guess I don't have entirely uh, a good idea of how they differ or what I can talk about, but they do right. seem to be like closely aligned.
1: I I can explain. So uh, a verified data set is basically exactly like all other syncs except for what it does. It surfaces. If you click add or import at the top, pretend like you're making a new table. And then right now from data library um, are like you would basically pick of all of your synced tables that you've already set up. Here's one that is, you know, all of my projects are going to need this, or, um, you know, I, I, I need to reuse this same synced table a thousand times. So rather than me finding that link a thousand times, it just sort of surfaces it as like, hey, you're going to use this. Here it is. And it also allows you at an enterprise scale to say, okay, only the marketing team really needs this as a verified data set. And the sales team needs their own separate set of things that they're constantly syncing back and forth so you can separate them out. So anything that you could do with any sync, you can also do with the data library, probably. Um, These adjustments to syncing just sort of makes it much easier to edit from within the target base. It almost feels like The relationship where you have the source and the target is being changed so that it's there's they're more blended because you could do everything in the source base now and few things in the target base. It sounds like you'll be able to do much of the same things in both.
2: Because you can totally imagine a scenario in which like a verified data set, like a master list of accounts that's like syncing from Salesforce or somewhere. Like obviously you don't want users to be able to like change that. Right. Like, you need to go to your system of record for that. So being this is this is the list, look at it, but like don't edit anything. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of times where like you want like you do want to be able to edit that. Um so yeah, the the opportunities are going to grow, I think, pretty significantly for mm-hmm. how we sort of finagle our, our, our grander account structure to be a lot more coherent and get rid of like silos hopefully just like get rid of like oh well that data lives there and this data lives here they don't really talk to each other
0: yeah yeah that ability to create and then it'll know the mapping on the back end of because it'll be named differently on your destination but it'll know you know where to map back to when you create it on the destination that's interesting
1: I would love a field, you know, we have created by and last edited by, I want to like created in field. (laughs) Like uh, the sync source field um, will tell you like where a record came from. But like, I just want to make sure that when we're able to add um, records from within a target base, we also get to know like, this is the record it was created in as well, just to, you know, I might treat it differently in automations based on that value. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to find it. I was like, where the heck is it? because
2: I renamed it's, it. Yes,
1: your sync source yep. field is called asset type.
2: And and right on top of that, I would love a base schema that's not just the base, but shows like via a dotted line, where is the data coming from? Because we have the data. Can I talk about this? Well, okay, I can't talk about that. But it's basically just fancier um, uh base schema but if you could see it like an account level or a workspace level how is all the data moving around that would be really cool and maybe have like layers for like you know this is the actual data and then these are the automations that live on top of the data and then these are the interfaces that live on top of all of that that would be super cool and would save so much time for tracking down like where the heck is this coming from yeah like why does it work this way Yeah.
0: yeah that's awesome very cool so yeah no timeline i know there was a question on that so i mean the fact that you haven't they haven't given it to you to beta test that probably implies we've still got a ways to go
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. How, and, how hard
2: could it be it's just replacing the lightning bolt with a plus symbol right Just <laughs> very
1: complicated. yeah uh, they, they've made several changes to um, sync as is for um, at least on the enterprise level plans i don't know if they've trickled down to Pro slash team slash business yet, um, but I, they're actively improving pieces of it as they go. So mm. I don't know when adding records from a target base is going to be there. But we did recently get um, updating via automation and updating via an interface, which was, you know, also deeply annoying limitations yep. of two way sync, um, yep. which have been eliminated very recently. So. You know, I don't know the timeline either. I imagine that, you know, because they were able to solve those things recently, you know, it might be, I don't know, uh, soon. I don't wanna, I I refuse to give a number because I have no idea.
2: And obviously, yeah. I won't commit anyone to anything, but the, the the team over there who's focusing on on Sync, cross space Sync, has been for working on this problem for a long time. And they're thinking about it a lot, and they talk about it a lot, and they're very clever. So I think I think it'll, like, if I had to pick a wild number, like, I hope it's here by the end of the year, because that would make it be a fantastic end of year gift. Um, but obviously, I have no idea. Great.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for that insight, and sneak peek at what's to come. Appreciate you coming on and that uh, concludes our season 15. So we'll be off for a few weeks through the month of September and we'll be back online in October. We will see you then. Take care everyone. for joining today's episode we hope you enjoyed it be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on air podcast